0: Now, speaking of the future Grace Community Church, this whole idea of valuing children is, is critical for the future of not only our church, but every church, that we have a high value of children. I mean, don't you just love children? I mean, how can you not love children? You know, and, and i tell you, I want to tell you two reasons why every one of us should love children. The first reason, reason number one is, is because there's so much fun. I mean, kids are so much fun. You never know what's going to come out of their mouths, you know? In fact, I came across, you guys are going to love this, I came across some uh, test answers that kids gave on tests that the teachers marked wrong that I thought, these aren't wrong. These answers are correct. Let me show you some of them. Go ahead and put that first slide up. What ended in 1896? 1895. How is that wrong? I don't get it. Okay, next slide. Find X. Here it is right here. Well, this teacher can't really find anything. Next one. Where was the American Declaration of Independence signed? At the bottom. How is that a wrong answer? Next one. He's talking about Solid, liquids, and gases. And it says, in which state do the particles show the most movement? California. And in which state do the particles show the least movement? New Jersey. All right, how about this one? Name six animals which live specifically in the Arctic two polar bears, four seals. Now, actually, they, th- this, this person had to correct their math, but they got it right eventually. <clears throat> All right, next slide. What are three things you want to do in the future? Get a girlfriend, kiss her, rule the world. I thought that guy's going to have a rude awakening because if he gets number one, he's never going to get number three, I'll tell you. (laughs) Upon ascending the throne, the first thing Queen Elizabeth II did was... Just sit down. This is probably my favorite one, number 10. How might Colombia solve the problem of guerrillas trying to control the country? If a country can't figure it out, how can I? <laughs> well, children are great fun. And that's one of the reasons we should love them. But there's a much more important reason why we should all love children. And that is because Jesus tells us to. The King of kings and the Lord of lords tells us to. And he places the highest possible value that he places on anybody he places on children. And I want to just, again, go to a passage in Matthew 18 where Jesus talks about children. This is a passage I talked a little bit about a year ago, but I want to go a little deeper with it uh, this year. Because Jesus actually talks about two aspects of children. One, he says, children are examples of devotion to the Lord. And then he goes on to talk about, actually, children are to be the object of our devotion in many ways to the Lord. So let's look at that. Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They've been having a bit of an argument among themselves who is the greatest. They want Jesus to go ahead and solve it. Verse 2. And he called a child to himself and set him before them. Now let's read that a little slower. Picture what's happening. He, Jesus. Remember, he's got the disciples he's about to teach a lesson to. They're, they're waiting. He calls a child to himself. The child comes. And he sets the child before them, and the child stays. Keep that in mind. Verse 3. He said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. The importance of simple faith. Faith. But then verse 4, notice this. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, the child he just called to come that came, told to stay and stay. As this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus wants to teach his disciples how to achieve true greatness in the kingdom. And who doesn't want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? Everybody does. So he calls a child to himself, sets the child before them and says, what just happened there is an example of how to achieve greatness in the kingdom of heaven. What just happened there? Well, again, he called the child to himself and the child came. He set the child before them and the child stayed. And Jesus said that right there, that whole thing you just saw was an example of how to be great in the kingdom of heaven. How do you you become great in the kingdom of heaven? It's something every one of us can do. It's not, this isn't for the super talented, the super gifted only. This is for every one of us can be great in the kingdom. How? Humble ourselves and do what Jesus says to do. That's simple. Go where Jesus says to go. Stay where Jesus says to stay. Do what Jesus says to do. I don't know if you thought much about what you would put on your tombstone. Some of you probably have. I suspect most of you haven't. One time I was, just, I was reading something, and they asked that question in the book I was reading. I thought, what would I like? i tell you what I'd like to be written on my tombstone, and I, and I, don't, I don't do this like I should. My prayer is, this is my passionate pursuit, though. I'd like to have my tombstone under my name, simply the phrase, he listened and obeyed. Like I say, I'm not doing what I should be doing there, but that's my passion, that's my pursuit. I want to do that more and more every day because that is the key to being great in the kingdom of heaven. Simply be a man or woman, a boy or girl that listens to Jesus and does what he says. I want to do a little exercise with you. So I want you to cooperate with me on this. So go ahead and close your eyes. Go ahead and close them. Close your eyes. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. I want you to imagine the most beautiful garden ever. I mean, just this fabulous garden, and you're entering it right now, and you're going through this magnificent, gorgeous arbor as you walk under it, and in the middle of this garden are two white benches. Is Jesus sitting in all white and beauty and glory? the other white bench he's waiting for you to come sit down so you walk over to the bench and you sit down and you face Jesus now keep your eyes closed imagine this scene you're facing him and then his lips begin to move because he has something he wants to say to you what do you think he would say You can open your eyes. I think some of you are thinking, well, I'm not really sure what he would say, but I bet a whole bunch of you are thinking, I think I know what he'd say. I mean, after he said how much he loves you and how much he values you and how precious you are to him, I believe Jesus has something he would say that he wants us to do. There's a calling. There's something he's calling you to do. And many of you know, you know, you, you, you know in your heart of hearts, I know what he'd say. My question is, are you doing it? Are you doing what he says to do? Let's get real practical with this. What does doing what Jesus is telling you to do look like the rest of this day? After you leave lunch at Grace Cafe and you still have most of the day, if you did what Jesus is really asking you to do, what would the rest of your day look like? Is there a certain phone call that you should make? Is there some place you ought to go? Is there someone you ought to talk to? Is there some deed? What is it? See, I think a lot of us right now have something in our head that we know what he wants us to do. Will you do it? Or how about tomorrow morning? As many of you head off to work, what does doing what Jesus says to do look like when you get to work? What would that look like? What does this week look like if you do what Jesus says to do? That's how you become great in the kingdom of heaven. You just do what Jesus says to do. And that's something every one of us can do. We can choose to be great in the kingdom by choosing to say, I'm going to do what Jesus says to do. I want to be the, a person who listens and obeys Christ. First and foremost, I, from his word, but also by the spirit of God, he will speak to you. Now, when you came in, you were given a piece of chalk, and I hope you did take it. Some of you are thinking, I don't need a piece of chalk. I hope you'll take it, and there's something I'm going to ask you to do with this piece of chalk. If you didn't get one when you came in, please grab one when you go out, because I want to give you an assignment this week, and I don't want you to try to do it right now and here, but there's an assignment I want to ask you to do with this chalk, and actually, this assignment traces all the way back to the English revivalist Gypsy Smith. And here's the assignment. It's simply this. Take that piece of chalk and find some place that you don't mind writing on the ground, perhaps your garage floor or someplace you go to, a sidewalk, or wherever you want to go. Maybe you're comfortable do it in your house and you'll clean it up later. I don't know. But here's what I'm asking you to do with this chalk. I'm asking you to find a place where you're all by yourself and get on your knees and then take that chalk and then draw a circle around yourself, all the way around yourself. And then pray this prayer. Lord, I ask you to send revival to this circle. Send revival, Lord, and start with me. See, if you ever take time to study some of the great revivals throughout history or the first and second great awakening that happened in this country, what you find out is it, wasn't, it didn't start because of the ingenuity of any man or woman. And it didn't start because some superstar you know, figured out how to do this. It started when just normal, regular people like us started praying, not, Lord, change them, but started praying, Lord, change me. You know, every time there's been a move of God in a in any community or any nation, anytime there's been an awakening spiritually of a region, you can always trace it back to some people that started praying that way Lord, change me. I need you. I need you to pour out your spirit on me. I confess my sins. I am helpless without you. Pour out your spirit on me, Lord. Change me. Send revival and start with this circle. I tell you, it's, it's amazing how when we just say, you know, we realize this is where it all starts, that I want to just have this relationship with you, Jesus. I want to fall in love with you all over again. And I want to be one who listens and obeys Christ. That is the key to greatness. So here's your sign again. Take your chalk. Do that this week. When you draw, if you draw that circle, just cry out, Lord Jesus. I'm asking you to send revival to this circle. Stir up my heart new and fresh with it. I want to fall in love with you, Jesus, more than ever and all over again. And also, Lord, as you're touching my heart, would you touch my ears? Give me ears to hear your voice. Wouldn't it be awesome if we all, all of us already had the big yes written on our heart? Before we even hear what Jesus says, the answer is yes, Jesus. Now, what did you say? Because we know it's good. We know his plans are always better than our plans. And so just to say, I just have this attitude of, I want to do what Jesus says to do. I'll go where you say to go. I'll stay where you say to stay. I'll do what you say to do. That's the key to greatness in the kingdom. That was that example of that child before the disciples. But Jesus doesn't stop there because not only was that child an example of devotion, but then he goes on to talk about how children are also supposed to be objects of our devotion. Jesus is now going to take the rest of this passage and talk about the highest value that he places on anybody he places right here on, these, on children. Because when we get to verse 5, he says this. Matthew eighteen five. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So this child, he uses an example, he takes in his arm blesses, loves, receives, and says, whoever does that to a child, it's like you're doing it to me, Jesus says. He says, it counts. It counts like you're doing it to me. I don't know how many of you guys have seen the movie Ben Hur. It's an old movie. In 1859, I believe it came out. But I remember seeing that movie as a kid and, and being so impacted by the movie, not just the chariot race scene, which is awesome, but there was a scene in which, if you, if you remember the movie, Ben Hur was—he uh, was a slave and he's in chains. And as he's being dragged along with other slaves, he com- comes apparently across the area of Nazareth because there's a figure who we only see, you know, the back of that comes and gives him water as he falls to his face, and just you know, pure fatigue and 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 he's just wiped out. So Jesus, what we know it's Jesus from the you know from the scene, but they never show his face. But he comes and gives. Uh, Charlton Heston, Ben-Hur, the water, and he drinks the water, and he looks at his eyes for a second. He's captured by him. But later in the movie, God is working in Ben-Hur's life, and eventually, as Jesus is carrying the cross, headed, you know, to crucifixion, and by the way, I didn't know as a kid this one in the Bible, but, but Ben-Hur, as he falls down, Ben-Hur comes to give him water. And there's a scene where where Jesus looks up into Ben-Hur's face and and there's just that, they see each other again, and he's just captured by that moment. And that scene hit me as a kid, because as a kid, I'm thinking, I wish that would have been me. Again, I didn't know, you know Ben Hur wasn't in the Bible. But I thought, I wish that would have been me. I would love to have been the guy who brought Jesus water as he's carrying the cross. I would have loved to have been that guy. Do y'all remember the scene I'm talking about? Some of you are going, I've never seen the movie. Oh, here's the scene. Let's watch it. I mean, what a moment, huh? What a moment. Wouldn't you love to bend that person? Well, here's the good news. The good news is, is that we can do that, that every one of us can do that to Jesus. How? Jesus says, if you receive a child in a very real way, he says, you're receiving me. When we do an act of kindness or love to a child, in a sense, we are doing it to Jesus. Jesus says, that counts to him like you're doing it to him. When we draw close to a child, there's a sense in which we are drawn close to Jesus. He's saying that counts to him when we treat children that way. When we place that high value of children like Jesus does and really pay attention to them, really serve them, love them, help them, hold them, love them, focus on them, all that, Jesus says, that counts like you're doing it to me, Jesus says. And keep that in mind for a moment because any church that truly understands The high value of children that Jesus places on them, any church that gets it, will never have trouble recruiting people to serve in their children's ministry. They'll never have trouble. But if a church has been more impacted by its culture than by the Word of God, then yeah, it'll probably have trouble. It'll probably might twist arms, conjole people to serve in their children's ministry. Why? Because our culture does not value children. And Roe v. Wade is evidence of that. But if we are a church that values children, then we'll have no problem recruiting people to serve in our children's ministry. Even people, that every time we talk about children's ministry, they'll think, oh, that's not really my calling, my ministry. But if you have this high value of children, you're, saying, you're thinking, I can do that. Even if you never thought it, you could do it before, once you get Jesus' value of children, you start thinking, I want to do that. I, mean, I think there's something seriously wrong in the heart of a person that doesn't love, it, can't love a child. And so here we have our you know, fall adventure land recruiting. And I'm telling you, we have, we have seen, it takes 168 people to fill our children's ministry. And every year, you guys come through. Because most of you get it. And I'm so proud of our church that we get it. But here's the deal. I'm thinking, why do we need to go three or four weeks doing this? Why can't we just knock it out today? So, I want some of you to think that I've never been thinking in those terms of I can serving in our children's area. Serve one half of one service. So, you still have three, you know, know, another whole full service and a half a service where you're not serving in the children's ministry. You can be in a service, you can be involved in other ways. So, why can't we just knock it out today? I want to ask you, I want to challenge you to value children so much you're willing to help us really. Bless these children and impact their lives. I tell you, there was, a, there was some worship leaders that they traveled to uh, see Mother Teresa when she was still alive and ministering in India, Calcutta area. And one of the worship leaders brought a couple of his worship tapes for her as a gift. And so as they're meeting Mother Teresa, he hands these two worship CDs to Mother Teresa. And she says, what are these? He's like, well, there's some of our worship songs and hope they'll, you know, hope they'll bless you. And she said, oh, do you want to worship Jesus? He said, oh, yes. She said, "Then find the least of these and take care of them. And so, there, again, that's, there's a sense in which we are when we, what we do to a child, when we honor and love a child and receive a child, Jesus says that counts to him like you're doing it to him. How cool is that, that we get to do that, every one of us get to do that. So Jesus says, again, Matthew 18:5, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But now he's about to get very sober and very serious with the next verse. Matthew 18, 6, he says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depth of the sea. Did you hear what he just said? Jesus said that the one who would harm a child, Jesus said it would be better for him, the one who would harm a child, it would be better for him if he was killed before that happened. It would be better for him if he was forcibly drowned before harming a child and facing the judgment that's coming with that. It would be better for him. You know, knowing how prevalent child abuse is today in our world, in fact, I'll tell you how prevalent it is. You want to you know, understand a statistic in very concrete terms. Walk up and down a street of your neighborhood or your apartment complex, and just count off four houses, one, two, three, four, and realize child abuse is likely happening in one of those houses. Then count four more, one, two, three, four, and realize child abuse is likely happening in one of those houses. Count off four apartments, one, two, three, four, and realize it's likely happening in one of those apartments, because that is the statistics. So knowing how prevalent child abuse is today in our world, it is very likely that there is someone who is in earshot of me, my voice right now in this room or first service or live streaming But it's very likely that there's even more than one that is hearing me speak that is harming a child, that is abusing a child. And if that's you, the word of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, I say to you, stop it. Repent from it. Commit to never do it again and cry out to Jesus for mercy. Children have the highest value that Jesus places on on anyone he places on them. They're great examples of devotion as they listen and obey, but they're also great objects of our devotion because as we receive them, we're receiving Jesus in some very real way. And that's the reason why we have all these ministries around the world to needy children. You know, you think about the video you just saw in this, in this flyer right here. Why do, we, why do we have all these ministries to children? Because it's the heart of Jesus to do this. Because he has such a high value on children. We should, too, as a body of Christ, we should have his heart in this. So that's why we have an Adventureland, which, by the way, is such an awesome children's ministry. Such such a great job everyone is doing. But also, there's some other ministries. One wasn't on the video, it's called Foster Adopt, led by Nate and Jenna Kemp, and it is fantastic ministry. And Nate and Jenna are leading it, but they're also modeling this. There's so many of you that like to be involved in that ministry. they, they, They really enlightened me personally about the statistics in the state of Texas and throughout the country of how many children are in the adopt. I mean, the foster care program, and also how many children are waiting to be, you know, wanting to be adopted. It's amazing how many. So some of you might be interested in learning more about that. They'll be across over in the Life Center at the Grace Cafe. But also we have these, these, these ministries abroad that are so, so powerful and significant. Past, first of all, Pastor T in Esther's children's home in Miramar. I've been there a couple times. I mean, they're taking these kids out of these villages that the kids have. They're not going to get any education. They have no future, no economical possibilities, you know. And, and they're taking these kids, and they're bringing them to this clean, safe, spiritual home, teaching them, training them in the faith, but also in, in, in regular schools things. And I tell you, I've never seen more obedient children than those kids in my whole life. When I was there, I was just, I'm, I'm amazed at how obedient these kids are and how they're serving with smiles on their faces because they're so grateful for what they've been given the opportunity. What a powerful ministry. Another ministry you have is Source of Compassion, Nick and Aziza. Nick and Aziza, you know, as, as, they, as they fled Afghanistan, and they saw what was happening to these kids who were drug addicted in that part of the world. And these kids are outcasts. No one takes them in. They're considered, I mean, they're considered total outcasts. People are not taking them in. They're living on the street, and they're beginning to work. This ministry is early, but they're beginning to put the things together to take these kids off the streets. What an awesome ministry. And then we have Naomi's Village, Bob and Julie Mendonza. Bob is an orthopedic surgeon right here in our region. They're part of our church for many years. God called them to this part of the world and to put on their heart this ministry, Naomi's Village. And I'm telling you, it is off the charts amazing what they're doing. It is a model for around the world on how to do this ministry. What they're doing is incredible. And then also we have the Agnes Scholarship Program. That the Headlands family basically are, are, are saving a whole people group. The Headlands. Steve's parents, Steve and Ruth, they're saving a people group. They, because most of them now know the Lord, but they have no future, so if they don't get an education and they don't get some help. So Steve is, is, is asking us to help him do this, and now it's happening. And it can only get better and better as we're all involved. And finally, one last one is Kujak, Kujak I mean, Kujak in Turkey is Ibrahim and Safak. In fact, I was just emailing with Ibrahim yesterday about the camp. The camp's going on right now. Do you know that the largest group of young people who believe in Jesus to gather together in the country of Turkey is happening right there at that camp? Right there, right now. And these are, these are our people that are doing this as part of our ministry. All these ministries are so amazing. I look at this, and I'm thinking, this is, a, this is just a, you know, amazing, fantastic, incredible stuff going on. And so here, here's why I want to highlight all this, because if we really highly value children, I think we can take these ministries to another level. They're already going great, but we can take it to another level by all of us being involved. We, we're involved by serving Adventureland and adopt and foster and all these kinds of things, but we can also be involved financially. Let me tell you how that works. You know, right now we're already, we're already invested financially in these ministries, but today all of the proceeds of Grace Cafe, that's, you know, so please go over and eat there. All the proceeds of Grace Cafe are going to these ministries that, that are abroad for children. But also, everyone, you, you can also make a one-time donation. So I want, I want to ask you to join Tracy and I in this and go on this website below of this bottom page. It says graceharlington.com slash help children and it'll tell you exactly how to give. And so Tracy and I, we, we did that yesterday. We want to make sure that's already there before I talk to you about doing it. But give a one time gift on helping these kids. But here's something else that everyone can do, all right? Everyone can do. And that is if every one of us committed to give $10, just $10 a month more above and beyond our tithe, and just a thousand of us decided we'd do that, that's $120,000 more a year to these ministries. And some of you are thinking, I can do more than $10. A month. Sure, I'll, I'll do more. But all of us can do that. I don't think there's anyone that says, I can't, I can't even do $10. I mean, miss one meal and say, you know, I'm going to find a way to give my $10 and, just, and look for ways that we can go, we can get this $120,000 more a year to these ministries. Why? Because we value children so much. They're the future of the church. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. Remember now, Jesus said, receiving these children and blessing these children, like we're talking about doing, is like we're doing it to him directly. So you guys ready to do it? Say amen. amen. Say it like you mean it. Amen. Okay, okay. So we're going to value children like Jesus values children. We're going to treat them with kindness in our service, and we're going to look for ways to help them as well financially and show acts of kindness to them because it's like doing it to Jesus, and that's the kind of church that we are. Let's all stand together, and we're going to close in prayer. And as, before we do that, though, I just want to say that if you have any questions about how you can be involved more in grace, there's Connection Coffee in this far corner here. There'll be some staff members that'll be glad to answer your questions. If this is your very first Sunday, we have a welcome center here. I'll be standing there. I want to meet you. Please come on up before you get your kids or before you leave. And it's Grace Cafe, so please go across. If you need prayer, there's going to be some pastor and elder couples up front that'll pray for you. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you are teaching us, what it is that you value, what's on your heart. And Lord, I pray that we'd all get it. We'd really get how much you value children. We'd live like we get it, and the way we serve, the way we give. But also, Lord, I pray that we would each really take that piece of chalk, and whether we do it physically or we do it somehow Just in our imagination, we really take time to say, Lord, send revival and start with me. Change my heart. Set it on fire with passion for the Son of God, compassion for people. And Lord, teach me to be one who listens and obeys. We pray all this in Jesus' name. and Everybody says, Amen. amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a good rest of the day and a good week.